Hi, and welcome to the Finding the Magic podcast. This is Season 1, Episode 16. I'm Trisha Copeland, urban fantasy, dystopian YA, and new adult romance author and host of the show. I'm excited to talk with clean romance author Nellie K. Neves today. Nellie is the first romance author I've hosted, so I'm super pumped to share some romance reads with you. Nellie and I have messaged via email and social media, and I can't wait to learn more about her and her books. Hi, Nellie. It's great to have you on my Finding the Magic podcast. How are you today? I'm doing really well. I'm so excited to be here, and I'm just so grateful to have have you want me on the show. Of course. I have followed you at least for a year, I think. At least. If not, I think it's closer to two because you did my book takeover when I still lived up north and that was at least two years ago okay well you know I think in my mind last year just doesn't count it's like (laughs) evaporated it is it's a gap year yeah that's a good that's a good saying for that (laughs) well we're just gonna jump right in tell me about you your books your genre like all things to love about you Okay, so um, my name is Nellie Neves. Um, I write under the name Nellie K. Neves. Um, I write clean romance, but all different types of genres within clean romance. So I have some uh, clean romance mysteries. I have clean romance suspense. I have cotton candy fluff clean romance. I've got kind of a little bit of everything, but they all have that underlying clean romance take on things. I have been writing for, I think, five or six years. Um, I have 15 books that are published. Um, Last year, or no, it was the year before, because gap year, I don't remember anything last year. (laughs) The year before, I had a really good year and uh, got a lot out in one year. And um, it was fantastic. And and it was really hitting my my stride. So it it, like doubled my book output. But um, let's see. I have um, a plat with my platform. I talk a lot about uh, multiple sclerosis, which is a disease I have. And um, so it, it's nice being able to raise awareness about that. Um, I live in California. I've lived here my whole life. I'm uh, what I would call a stereotypical California girl, but the rest of the world wouldn't <laughs> call that. I don't surf. I, uh, I do eat a lot of avocados. Uh, <laughs> but mostly I just love watching the sunset and dancing barefoot in my kitchen and that whole thing. Um, so that's pretty much me. That sounds amazing. I didn't realize that avocado was like a telltale <laughs> sign of living in California. So. <laughs> it's what I've been told. <laughs> Good to know. So tell me, are you self-published? I mean, 15 books. That is amazing. 15 books in five years. That's incredibly <laughs> Awesome. Um, tell me, are you self-published or do you have a publisher? I am self-published. Uh, for most of my books, I do have one book that's, or one story that's out in an anthology that was traditionally published through World Weaver Press. Um, that one was kind of a strange blip on the radar for, it was a diesel punk um, a fairy tale retelling. Really random call went out and I was like, let's see if I can do it. And I did. So that was really exciting. Um, but other than that, it's been self-publishing for me. Uh, I like being able to have control over release dates, uh, content, book covers, the whole thing. I'm a little bit of a control freak. 
Well, I would put myself into that category as well. So you're in great company. And I sent you a questionnaire before, and I love your story about how you ended up publishing. So tell us that. All right. So um, I did Not All Rhymore. And um, I, it was my first time. I used to write only religious books. That was it. I just wrote religious themed books. And my friend uh, pushed me into doing NaNoWriMo'er. And um, I loved it. <laughs> I was like, wow. And it was the first time I'd ever written anything mainstream. And I was like, wow, this is really liberating. This is really fun. And, and but I still, I never let anyone read anything. And I just kind of kept my head down. Like my family had read it. That was it. And um, so I did NaNoWriMo'er. And then I did it again in the spring. And when I did it in the spring, um, one of the rewards for winning NaNoWriMo'er, um, basically finishing NaNoWriMo'er, um, for writing that book in one month was that you could have a uh, book printed for free through Create, Create Press, Creative Press. I can't remember Create what it's space. called now. Create Space, that's what it is. Um, it doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> so um, I was all excited that I was like, okay, well, I'm probably never ever gonna get picked up by a traditional publisher. I mean, the world was really different back then when it came to self-publishing. And um, and I was like, I'll probably never get published. So I'll just have one printed and then I can put it on my shelf and be like, that's my book, there it is. And that would be the end of this whole thing. And so I worked hard to get my book uh, Night Watch all put together and, um, and I was really excited about it and my sister had pushed me through the whole thing <laughs> and near the end we figured out that if in order to get one printed <laughs> that you're just gonna have to release the whole thing on on Amazon and I was like oh well that's a little scary but I don't have to tell anyone it's there and chances are no one's ever gonna buy it no one's ever gonna read it it's just gonna sit there and do nothing and I'll still get to have my book so that's good so I said that to my sister and she said um, you are good enough that you need to put this book out. And I said, I just don't know. I don't know. And she's like, but you also, you need to have an editor look at it. So I'm going to pay for your editing. And then we're going to put this book out. And I was like, okay, if you want to do it. So I was like, we are strapped for cash right now. There is no way that I'm going to be able to like fork out this money for an editor. That's terrifying for something that's going to sit on my shelf and never go anywhere. And so my sister, uh, paid for the editor. We got the editing done. I got the, the book out. And I think I casually mentioned on Facebook, um, hey, if anyone wants to read this book, I kind of wrote it and like, you can just check it out. And so I did that. And I didn't think anything of it, pushed, published the whole thing and kind of just let it go. And then I was shocked at the response because um, so in the beginning, yes, it was just my family and friends buying it, but then it was my family and friends recommending it to other people and then other people recommending it to other people and other people recommended it. And I thought, oh my gosh, I could actually do this. And then the reviews started coming in and they were positive. And I can't tell you how shocked I was that they were positive. <laughs> and, um, it was, it was really validating for someone who's wanted to be a writer her entire life, who all I've ever wanted was to be an author to be able to have that many people say, wow, this is really good. We really love this. This is amazing. And um, and so, I don't know, it lit a fire inside of me and I kind of never looked back. It was like, okay, this is a viable way to accomplish my dream. And so I kind of just went for it. That's so exciting. It's so cool. We have similar stories because it was my sister-in-law who told me that I needed to publish my book. And yeah, she wouldn't let me not do it. <laughs> 
So unfortunately, I had a friend who was an editor and she gave me a really good deal. And I didn't really realize how good of a deal she was giving me <laughs> until like last year. And I was like, oh, well, <laughs> this year will only do one book. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's the, the, the costs of, of self-publishing are up there and you you start to, okay, how do I bank this? And how do I, how do I get around this? And how do I do these things? And, and finding someone you can work with and that you trust. That's, I mean, it, that's a, an entire thing all on its own. So but, tell me yes, about Nighthawk and the story behind Night, like what the story is about. Okay. So um, Nightwatch is about, um, it's okay. It's uh, it's about a girl who's just been through uh, a woman who's just been through a traumatic event. She, um, she was, her home was kind of invaded by these men and her father, who she loved very much, um, was attacked and she was viciously hurt in the, the whole attack, but she saw her father killed before her eyes. So she's coming out of this moment. It starts opening in the um, doctor's office that she's going in. It's kind of ho-hum moment of my life is in a in shambles. What am I going to do? And her doctor is her ex-boyfriend. And that's a whole like, Oy. but then she doesn't want to tell the story to a new doctors. So she doesn't want to switch doctors. And it's like, it's like a, a page and a half of, oh my gosh, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this situation. And then the doctor boyfriend leaves and she's kind of sta standing there trying to figure out, you know, what am I going to do? And then she hears a rattling in the vent above her. And then a second later, a very handsome man drops out of the ceiling. And then she launches into this whole world of espionage where she is suddenly now having to help save the world because this handsome man fell into her life. And it is constant twists and constant turns because my sister, as I was writing it, was reading it and she kept saying, I know what's gonna happen next. And so I'd say, oh, you think you do, huh? And so I'd go in the complete opposite direction. And then she'd say again, okay, well now I know what you're gonna do. So I'm like, oh yeah, we'll watch this. And we went in the other direction. And so it was just, it was very much, my sister helped me through this whole entire thing and, and uh, pushing me as she always does to get the very best out of my writing. And uh, I, and as a, a grown writer, I look back and think there are things that I could change and there are things I could refine. But at the time, I know I did the best with what I had. And it still is a major fan favorite because it's just, it's exciting. So I always describe it as it's like Die Hard, but with more kissing. And so <laughs> it, awesome. it's a really fun one. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I am a huge fan of clean romance. Most of my readers are either YA or YA lovers and clean romance readers too. So that is definitely right up my alley. I just recently, and I noticed in your reply to my questions that you had written like, okay, I write romance, but in this genre, this genre, and what is this? So did you know that Women's Fiction Day is tomorrow? Have you heard about that? Did not know that at all, no. Yes, Women's Fiction Day is tomorrow, June 8th. And so I started thinking about, my books that I call romance um, and whether they were romance or women's fiction because this lady I was going to enter her giveaway and she's like no I don't think your books are really women's fiction and I was like hmm, I think they are I think they are women's fiction. <laughs> so I looked at the definition because I really wanted to get in the giveaway <laughs> right I wanted my book in there um, I 
looked up the definition and women's fiction is basically any book where the main component is the emotional experience that the character, a woman, because it's women's fiction, right. that the character, her evolution emotionally throughout the book. And I started thinking, well, I, I do have big emotional components. Like the point of most of my stories is not to like fall in love and have a happily ever after. I usually have like an overarching theme of something else. So maybe I do write a women's fiction. So now I'm like rethinking everything, but. <laughs> no, I totally get what you mean about, about the overarching um, character journey and all those things. And I'm, I'm really big on, I don't like it when romance is here's a man and how does he fix you? I'm, I'm not a fan of that. I like, here are my personal issues. How am I going to fix myself? And how does that work in a relationship? I, I'm not a big fan of this man completed me. It, it doesn't sit well with me. I don't know. I'm too, too much of a woman empowerment kind of <laughs> person, I guess. So maybe I should look at my stuff and see, because I certainly have some that could, could fit that, um, that whole thing. When I wrote Set to Simmer, that's kind of what that whole story is that she starts out in a, a bad situation with a bad she's living with her her roommate that they started as roommates but then sometimes they kiss a little and then she's like no we shouldn't do this and then he's like oh well I've got I'm gonna go out with someone else and it's like this really bad situation and she finally um, all she wants to do is be a, a chef and that's everything that she wants in the world is to be a chef and she's trying to go to the same school that her dad went to before he died and she doesn't have enough money so she's working as a bartender and she sees this ad for someone needs a personal in-home chef and so she has to she applies to the the ad for that and um and through this whole <laughs> hilarious moments of of terrible things that happened at her um, interview she actually ends up getting the job and she ends up moving away from this bad situation and she's staying with these two older couple there's a brother and sister and they're in, they're seniors and they're both from France and they're kooky and fun and they have their uh, the son who's there and she has a crush on him but he wants nothing to do with her but there's all that romance but at the same time the whole thing is about Dakota and how Dakota changes and how she becomes a better person who realizes that it's not okay to be just set to simmer on the back burner that she's trying to learn, I can make my own decisions. I can have my own choices. I can push forward and, and do good things with my life without having to wait for someone else to give me permission to live. And so maybe I should look into Women's Day Fiction with that one. <laughs> Definitely. And I love that title, Set to Simmer with the cooking theme. I That's very clever. That's very Thank fun. Thank you. <laughs> so you said you wanted to be an author all your life. Can you tell me about that in your journey or yeah who inspired um, you uh well I when I was in kindergarten I had a really hard time learning to read um I was a premature baby and a lot of times I had a hard time getting to milestones at the same time as other kids and I specifically remember staring at pages and they're telling me what the letters are and I have very strong memories of not being able to read in kindergarten and I was the last one it was really frustrating. But then the nice thing about me is that once I learn something, then I usually slingshot forward and get ahead. And so by the time I hit second grade, I'd read over 60 or 70 Nancy Drews. I was just like bleeding through the entire thing, going as fast as I could. And I loved Nancy Drew. I lived for Nancy Drew. And, um, and so I um, had a really great teacher, Mrs. Mrs. Eastwood, and she saw something in me uh, that she just wanted to push forward 
And um, I remember she assigned this, uh, I still have it. She assigned this um, writing assignment that we we're supposed to write about the vaqueros that lived in California and how they ran their ranches and every other thing. So being me, <laughs> I decided to do my own thing as a second grader. And I wrote, I think the, the assignment was right two paragraphs and mine is about six pages long. And it's this epic tale of this vaquera, which actually isn't a thing, <laughs> but I wanted to do a girl. And I wrote this entire thing about her saving her ranch and that she was the, it was like Mulan, but in a vaquera. And it was this whole wonderful story and whatever. And I just, I laugh at how she must have reacted when I turned in this stack of papers as a second grader, that all I all I wanted to do was write. That was it. And and I, it, later on, I remember we did a tall tale and we did it for pages. And then at the bottom, you put a donkey tail. And everyone else's was like two pages. And mine, they put up in the cafeteria. And it was like 14 pages. They had to hang it all the way up at the top because I just wouldn't stop writing. And I just, I loved writing so much. And, and then, you know, you do the fan fiction thing when you're in high school and I did that. And when I was in college, I would write stories for my roommates about our lives. And at night we would read them in the living room and giggle and laugh and, and have fun. And it was just something that I, that's always been in me that I've always just loved writing and telling stories. Um, it's just who I am, I guess. That sounds so fun and that's so cool. Like I can't even imagine because I hated writing. <laughs> I hated writing up until grad school. And then my my professor taught me how it was technical writing at the time, but she taught me, I felt like she taught me how to write for the first time. Like obviously right. I've done paragraphs and papers and but I felt like she really taught me how to write. And then that sort of launched the love of writing. And then I extended that with my creativity to fiction writing. So that was right. a little bit of my journey. So tell me what you have coming up that you're excited about. Um, well, I have, a, Kindle has just, our, yeah, Kindle has just uh, unleashed this Kindle Vela's platform. And um, I'm really excited about it. I've never done serialized fiction before. Uh, so this is my first stab in the dark. I think mine is a little bit longer than it probably should be, but I'm hoping my beta readers will come back and be like, um, you don't need this, this, and this, and then maybe I can knock it down a little bit. But um, it was the story that I used, well, because I was worried that Vela's needed to be done overnight. So I kind of did it overnight. And then I found out they're not opening the platform for like three months. <laughs> But um, I, uh, I used a, a story that I was going to turn in for a short story call for a publisher. Um, and it was, it's the idea of um, love it at first sight, but second chances. So it's this um, woman who's working in ads. And years ago, when she was 17, she had this one day awesome moment with a guy she never knew outside of anything. They were both on vacation to the same place and, and they had this really amazing time and it ends with them kissing uh, underneath a cove on the, uh, in the bay with lightning striking right in front of them. And they get to see, they see the lightning strike the same place twice. And so that's the whole theme throughout the entire thing is uh, does lightning strike twice? Does love strike twice? And so it was really fun to write um, last summer, I did a summer series where I released a book once each month. 
and uh, and that got everyone through the summer, which was a lot of fun. That's my Cartwright series, and uh, it was all heavily intertwined with each other, and and a lot of moving parts. And it's it's a really really fun read. Um, and this summer, I'm trying to do the same thing, where I have three books in a series, and to be able to put them out over the course of the summer. It keeps getting pushed back. It was going to start in June. Now I'm like, yeah, July is still summer. We'll be fine. <laughs> so um, we're seeing how that goes. Um, this is going to be uh, around the idea of a, um, a woman who runs a equine therapy ranch, which I've done a lot of um, work in that in my professional life. Um, and for her doing this, uh, the first book involves uh, the therapist having a stalker. And then the second book will be um, a second chance love story. But the idea is that the woman in the book is in witness protection and then her second chance romance is the assassin that was sent to kill her. So that should be exciting. And then the third book is uh, Friends to Lovers. And they've been in these, these two have been in the entire series up to this point. And so it'll be the story of them trying to find love and a serial killer at the same time. So that should be a really fun one. We'll, we'll see how it comes together. I'm hoping that my life lines up that I can start now that school's out, I can start just really putting in the hours and getting work done. So I'm, I'm excited about all of those. That does sound fun. So are you a teacher then? I'm if not I'm a teacher. I'm okay. a mom. <laughs> mom. Okay. I get that too. <laughs> I, I am a mom who, who has a child who hates school. And so it's, it feels like a full-time job, especially right now when we're in between hybrid and in-person and, and going back and forth and all those things. It's, it's been quite the school year trying to make sure that, as you know, that everything stays on <laughs> task. Definitely. And so you released a book a month. I can't even imagine how long are these books that you're releasing one a month? And did you do them like all way before and then just release them? Or I, ca I can't write that much. <laughs> I was supposed to do them all before. <laughs> I got one and a half done last year by June. My release date was June 19th. And so the first one was done and ready to go. The second one was halfway done. And I, I said to my sister, I'll get it done. It'll be fine. And so I was writing a lot. And then she was finding all my plot holes, which she's super good at. And, um, and then being like, you can't do this. The character changed here, you can't do that. She's my developmental writer. That's what she does best is tells me what I do wrong. And, um, and then, so the third book, so I wrote the second book between the beginning of June and the middle of July when I released it a week later. And then I wrote the next book and I actually pushed that date out so that I could get it all perfect because I was mad about the second book being rushed and not sleeping. And so uh, that one I didn't release until the end of, of August. So that one actually took me a full six weeks, but I wrote the entire thing in that six weeks and had it edited and every other thing. And I was like, this is insane. I should not have done this. And then here I am doing it again because all my fans are like, yeah, we should do that again. I'm like, dang it. Anyhow, what did I do? <laughs> that was your COVID project, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, that's, that's what I spent my summer doing was just writing these books and living these books and and then, then somewhere in the middle, someone's like, you need to write the prequel. So I wrote the prequel. So I don't know. Something's wrong with me. I'm just a compulsive writer. I just can't stop. <laughs> well, I feel like that too. People are like, how do you do this? Or when do you mm -hmm. do this? Do you ever sleep? And I don't ever know how to answer them because I feel a little bit like a crazy person. 
yeah and then when you tell them the things that you do then they're like oh no you are crazy and you're like well yeah a little bit but you kind of have to be a little bit crazy in order to you know hear all these voices in your head and see scenes of someone else's life in your head and and then put it all onto paper so that other people can do the same thing it's really when you stop to think about it being an author is just being crazy I'm yeah cool. i i agree with that and when you cry when you're reading aloud to a podcast mm -hmm. audience that's a little crazy too. Even yes, after yes, I, I wrote it and edited it and have read it like six times, probably, I still cry every time. Oh, there are some that I, I was listening to your podcast the other day and listening to that story about you getting emotional during that piece and having to be like, okay, we'll read the next another another time. And I have I have parts of my Lindy series, my mystery series that I cannot read aloud because it is it is so much of my inner soul on paper that it connects hard. But then the nice thing is that you hear about people reading this and they connect to it in the same way because so much of you went into that book. And, and it's writing is just that way that it, it takes pieces of you. I always joke that the fourth book in that series is my horror crux because it just, it ripped a piece of my soul out and it lives in that book. But for that reason, then that book is one of my all-time favorites because it's just, it's a huge part of who I was in that moment in time. That's really cool. In your answers to my questions, you mentioned the Lovelock ones, which is my dystopian. I theory. love that book. Thank you. That's <laughs> so sweet. Um, and I'm in the same place with that. And actually, I wrote the second one last and released the second one last year. And then I was just so low. And for people who are listening in, this is a dystopian series where the whole world is crashed into a pandemic just like we experienced last year so after I, I wrote that I was like I can't do this like I can't write the third one I'm going to write a sweet happily ever fun romance and that's what I'm going to do now so I had to jump and I haven't been able to get back to it yet I have like a story in my brain but I'm still kind of down from that like I I need to get them out of it and safe and happy I need or happily ever after but I can't go back yet no, I, I totally get that. I think that was my um my reaction when I was in the middle of writing my Lindy series and and it was like everything was so dark and heavy in that series. And then out of nowhere, I saw this picture on Pinterest uh, the night before uh, NaNoWriMo was supposed to start. I was supposed to be writing my next book in the Lindy series for NaNoWriMo. And then I was like, I saw this picture and it was this bride running away from the church with one shoe left behind like Cinderella. And I thought, where is she running? Why is she running? And then at midnight, I just started writing. And that's when I wrote pre-approved identity theft. And that one just like fell out of me. I don't even know where that book came from, but I needed something happy and light. And, and that one was a, a runaway bride kind of meets uh, Prince and the Pauper because she switches places with someone on the other side of the country who looks like her so that they can, um, the the executive on the other side of the country wants to go on a vacation, but she's gotten in hot water at work, so she can't go on vacation. And so she needs Harper to come over and switch places with her and go to work for her so that she can go on her vacation. But in the process, then Harper meets somebody and falls in love with not just her new life, but this other guy. And it's a whole thing, but it's, it is as cotton candy romance as it gets. It's just silly and funny. And there's this whole yoga scene that everybody loves where she's just going through her thoughts as she's in yoga. And it's every yoga thought that you've ever had, like downward dog is not a resting position. 
and and all these and it's just it's just fun and silly and it was just very much my reaction to I need some light in my life even when my book got the proof came in the mail my daughter picked it up she's really little at times she picked it up and she said mom this cover isn't so dark and black <laughs> yes mom's trying something new here and that was the first time that I'd done anything somewhat light and and it had good reception and and it's it's going to be a fan favorite just because the first line is I just climbed out a bathroom window in a $20,000 wedding dress I've never done something so cliche in my life and everyone is like, I read that and I have to just, I have to know like what comes next? What does she do next? And, and it's just silly and fun, but I, I totally get what you mean about just getting stuck. And you're like, can't go there right now. I need something else. And, and it's been fun seeing you do so many di different things with, with your genre. And, and whenever I worry about dancing so much within my genre, I think, well, Trisha does it. I can do it too. I have gone way outside the box. <laughs> If there are any rules to follow, I've not followed any of them. <laughs> it makes me a little bit manic, though. But I love the storyline there because my one of my favorite movies is The Holiday. Have you seen that movie? I haven't With, seen that. Movie. Um, Cameron, D Cameron Diaz and Kate Winslet, and they she Cameron Diaz is in California and Kate Winslet is in England, and they do a house swap for the holiday, like Cameron Diaz gets brokenhearted and Kate Winslet does too, I guess. Yeah, so they do a house swap and it's sort of, they don't look, they don't try to take each other's lives, but they, yeah, they end up having romances in their respective vacations. That sounds fun, it's, I'll have to check that yeah, out. I, I could watch that movie like every day almost. <laughs> <laughs> My husband hates it because we used, well, it's a holiday movie, so we used to watch it every Christmas Eve while we were wrapping presents, and then I'd end up crying because <laughs> it was happy tears. Happy tears, so yeah. Always. <laughs> this has been so much fun, Nelly. I love getting to know you better because I've followed you, and I now I just want to go buy all your books because they all sound <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And I, I feel the same way. I feel like we have never actually gotten to talk in person. We've talked digitally for years and this has been so much fun. Well, and hopefully we can meet in person. We're going to find a book con that's going to be fun. That would be us. really great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for being on Finding the Magic. And I think there will be a lot of magic to be found in your book. And any last words for my listeners? Uh, where can um, we find you? Yes. Where oh, can we yeah. find you? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm on Facebook, um, Nelly Keeneves author. Um, I am on Instagram the most. That's where I tend to put everything. Um, Facebook, I just don't have as many much traction there. I feel like it just gets lost. But Instagram, I, I have a lot of easy times connecting with my my readers. And that's uh, Nelly Keeneves author there as well. If you need to um, check out my books further, I have a website. It's www.nellykneevesauthor.com. Um, you can also email me at nellykneeves at gmail. Um, I think that's all my things, but, uh, and I'm on Twitter, but not very often. <laughs> yeah, I always see you on Instagram, so I know you're yes. on there. I'm on Instagram a lot. I, I, I find it's the easiest one to, to navigate and to connect with people and, I keep Facebook up for when I do big events so that I can do book parties and book launches and book clubs there because we have a lot of fun. We did that last year after I did the summer series and we had a, a big book club at the end and I did a whole bunch of prizes and we did 24 hours of just games and prizes related to the books and that was a lot of fun. So I keep Facebook for that one, but that's, that's about awesome. it. <laughs>
Well, I will be sure to include all your links in the description of the podcast. And thank you again so much for being here. Thanks for having me. I had so much fun talking to Nellie about her books and author journey. I'm a little bit jealous. I think I may have to kidnap her sister. But my sister's awesome too, so I can't complain. I'm glad you turned in today. You can find Nellie mostly on Instagram at Nellie Neves Author, on Facebook also as Nellie Neves Author, Twitter, although she's rarely there, and on her website, NellieNevesAuthor.com. I've left all the links in the description of the podcast. Thank you for turning in. Next week, I'll be talking to visionary apocalyptic fiction author Catherine Greenhall. Until then, happy listening and make sure to find the magic.